This is the Ether Review, a talk show passing the components of the Ethereum global computing platform and its ecosystem. Building on a basic knowledge of the blockchain, we seek to understand the mechanics behind this new generation computing network and the services it powers. Some of the discussions featured on this show are technical, while others are higher level. This is a special episode, for the reason that it's the first to have an official sponsor. The plan has always been to seek sponsorship, but it's a step that requires a more professional commitment than up until this point I've been able to give. So without further ado, let me introduce web developer and data scientist Josh Stern. If you visit joshstern.info, you'll see a rich portfolio of data services offered. Specifically, scripting, research, machine learning, and analysis and interpretation of data sets. Josh has been putting together the soon-to-be-released Ether Review blog. He is, of course, massively overqualified as a web developer, and while the intricacies of data science are beyond me, Josh completed this project rapidly and accurately. I look forward to working with him in the future. His Twitter account is one of the more interesting ones I follow, at Joshua G. Stern. Contact info is on his website. That, again, is joshstern.info. Free my Vunk is a movement to port game items and assets into the blockchain. The goal is to give control of these hard-won in-game rewards entirely to the players themselves. On the surface, this may seem like a simple, maybe even mundane use case, but the significance a gamer may attach to a specific achievement can be a real source of economic value. We see this in phenomena like World of Warcraft gold mining and character sale. This is an especially interesting project due to the numerous collaborations involved, from Digix and Colony to John Never Die Jacobs. Tyler Smith and Richard Bay are the founders of the movement. Due to technical difficulties, we had to conduct this interview twice, and unfortunately, the second time around, a makeshift setup left me talking over my own voice feeding back through the system. The hazards of recording on the road. Tyler sounds fine though. Feel free to have a laugh at my expense as I trip over my words. So Tyler, thanks for joining me today. Could you uh, could you introduce yourself and um, explain the concept of Vunk? Absolutely. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be on the show with you, Arthur. We've uh, been a big fan of the show uh, ever since you began it, and I haven't missed an episode yet. It's uh, So it's a real pleasure to be on with you. So my name is Tyler Smith. And I have uh, been involved in with cryptocurrencies. Uh, I first found Bitcoin in 2012 and was fascinated by the concept and the, the revolutionary nature of uh, decentralizing currency. I had come from a little bit of a uh, libertarian, uh, no, mo mostly Austrian school of economics sort of uh, background. And so that's how I found Bitcoin initially. But... Uh, I was always looking for when Bitcoin was going to kind of evolve beyond the calculator stage, because it, it was apparent early on uh, through colored coins and, and other things that the potential was much larger than just a clearinghouse, essentially like a calculator. And so I was monitoring the space quite closely with uh, podcasts from Let's Talk Bitcoin and uh, at the time, the forums, uh, there was a lot of information on the forums. And uh, I, Vitalik's paper, white paper on Ethereum, 
immediately caught my attention. And after I read it, I was I was hooked. I said, you know what? This is what I've been waiting for. And I, I just jumped in with both feet. I said, you know, I've got to be a part of this um, because it's such an incredible idea. And so ever since then, I've, I've been involved with Ethereum uh, and I participated in the crowd sale. And uh, I also uh, was right there at the startup. And uh, we, we, we generated the Genesis block ourselves and turned on about a mid-level mining farm at minute one and a half of the Ethereum network. And so we're, we're really happy to have been uh, at the ground level of Ethereum right from the beginning. And the project that we want to do, that we are doing, is called the Free My Vunk movement. And so the first thing that everybody wants to know is, what the heck is Vunk? And the answer is, Vunk is a made-up <laughs> word. It, it's, not, it's not a word that anyone knows yet, but they're going to. Because I went around and I asked everybody that I knew, what do you call all your virtual stuff? All the stuff that you earn in video games and you've, you buy and you, and you sometimes trade inside the game, but it's, it's technically it's supposed to be yours. They've given it to you and you own it. What do you call that stuff? And, and I heard every answer imaginable. I heard virtual property, virtual assets. I heard it's my gold, it's my credits, it's my tokens. But I said, all of that is kind of your property, but we need a word to describe it other than something just virtual. We need a, a word that just kind of summarizes everything. And I stumbled upon the word vunk. And I said, oh my goodness, that's it. That's what we have to call this. It's our virtual junk. And uh, it's just stuck, you know, and everybody we've mentioned it to, as soon as I say virtual junk, they're like, I get it. Absolutely. It's my Vunk. So that's where uh, Vunk came from. And the project is essentially designed to liberate your Vunk, to make your Vunk truly your property so that you can trade it, whether you're inside the game or outside the game, and it can be held in a digital wallet just like it would be in a bank account. So you have your virtual property being owned and controlled by you and not the game. So that's the overall concept. How exactly do you represent Vunk using Ethereum? Well, so that's the one truly amazing thing about Ethereum is that you can do virtually anything with it. You can, you can code, anything you can code, you can allow the network to do. And uh, one of the first applications and one that's going to be used widely by a lot of people is this, like, this concept of tokenizing an asset. And so what you do is you, you create a smart contract and deploy it to Ethereum. And the smart contract is a, is a token system, just like Bitcoin is a token system, where if I trade you a Bitcoin, all I'm really do is, doing is sending you a token. Um, but you can actually create these, this, this smart contract that tracks the tokens that you create, and those tokens can represent virtually anything. Uh, and, and in our case, they'll be re representing every object or, well, it doesn't have to be just objects. Um, uh, a, a token could track a game object like a sword or a shield or a magic potion, but it could also represent other things like special abilities 
or perhaps a, a collectible card, or even maybe additional levels within the game that only you have access to, or an enhanced experience, or perhaps even like a skin for, I mean, one of the most popular things in Counter-Strike was to buy these customizable skins that you could put on, you could make your gun look different. Um, but we can go even farther than that. We can even say, you know, early adopters could have a specialized game edition, which would give them a certain benefit within the game. So all these things can be tokenized. And by holding the token in your digital wallet, it would then enable the experience or the possession of these things in the game. Uh, what's the, Do you know that, uh, that Citizen Something game? It's yep. uh, it, it it's one of the most highly funded games in history. I think it is the most highly funded game in history called Star Citizen. Yeah, and in the process of funding, they've been offering contributor-specific uh, content, in-game content. And it seems like this is a perfect way to marry the Kickstarter crowdfunding movement with... Uh, in-game uh, in-game rewards and special items absolutely i mean i so it's funny you mentioned that i was just looking at what starship i was going to buy on star citizen they're pretty freaking cool um but this is that's not the only game that's done this uh, another example of a game uh from uh, a personal hero of mine um richard garriott he he's uh developing a game called shroud of, shroud of the avatar where they are allowing people to purchase not just in-game items, but in-game virtual real estate. And the, vir- and the virtual real estate has more value based on its location inside the game, which will enable you to have more access to trade. Um, they're also doing some really cool things with uh, player-driven economies, where everything in the economy has to be derived from player effort, has to be built Every sword has to be crafted by players themselves, and that all these things have, are, are, are essential to driving the economy. And th- these are perfect examples of where tokens could represent these virtual items and could be meaningful both inside the game economy, but they could also be traded outside the game and between players of different platforms. Tracking these assets is core to actually establishing their value and their scarcity. Absolutely. I mean, right now you trust a game developer to honor their commitment to only produce, you know, X amount of a certain object or a certain uh, privilege within the game. But there's nothing really constraining them from doing so other than their reputation with their users. However, if you were to tokenize these things and put them on the Ethereum blockchain, now anyone can verify that there will only be X amount ever made. And if they ever tried to cheat, it would be immediately obvious to everyone because it was, it's on the public register. So whereabouts are you with FreeMyVunk? And what is, the, uh, what is your strategy for populating this idea with users? So... Um, you know, we have to put out uh, th- this. This idea has gained so much traction. We've been really overwhelmed. Um, so I had the opportunity to go over to DevCon One, 
which was the first uh, kind of public Ethereum developers conference. And I gave a sneak peek preview to the conference on Free My Vunk. It, we, we, we hadn't announced anything to anyone up until that point. We'd been acting in, in stealth mode. But when I went over there to give my talk, after my talk, I was inundated with interest and people wanting to help and people wanting to be a part of this movement that we're creating. And I was, I, I, I was awestruck, to be honest. I, I, I was so excited that people felt the need for this type of platform like we do. And it's been growing ever since. So we gave the sneak preview at, at DevCon. I, I just recently, uh, l- last week, went and participated on a blockchain gaming in the blockchain panel at Inside Bitcoins in San Diego. It's the same conference, by the way, where uh, Overstock just announced that they had approval from SEC to release stock onto the blockchain. But we are currently preparing for our soft launch because the Ethereum platform is still trying to mature. I mean, heck, it's only a few months old, to be honest. Uh, We're waiting for more robust wallets to come around that are token enabled. That's the primary uh, thing that we're we're kind of waiting to see develop. Um, And I have another I have an interesting uh, side on that in a second. But uh, we have a soft launch the 1st of January, where we are officially launching our community token, which is called VUNK, but VUNK in all caps. So when we talk about the generic VUNK, just all the stuff you own in your virtual environments, that's VUNK that's not all capitalized. But if we're talking about our community token, it's all caps, VUNK. And what we're doing is we want to help our community believe and develop around something of value. And we're giving out Vunk for free to people who evangelize the movement. So basically, if you go out and you want to make your friends aware of this awesome new opportunity to liberate their virtual junk and then trade it on second-party marketplaces, then if you tweet out, you know, hashtag free my Vunk or hashtag the revunkolution, then nice. we'll give you our token for free. We'll at, we'll, if, you've, if you've gone to our website and you've signed up and made an account and put down your Ethereum address, we will be tracking the social media channels and we will deposit Vunk in your account for just being an evangelist of the movement. So we're really excited about the potential that we have to crystallize a community around this token. Now, we're, we're also uh, working on the technical side as well, where we're developing uh, Unity and Unreal Engine video game development platform plugins. And those plugins will basically provide players with an in-game wallet that's connected to Ethereum and to our marketplace so that they have immediate access to their tokens inside the game, but also that they would be able to access our marketplace outside and trade with their friends, both within the game, but also between other games, if they so choose. And then finally, the last part is uh, 
we are going to be working with game development companies to issue their assets onto the blockchain. So we'll have uh, game development companies coming to us, or we're working with them directly and saying, okay, we want to release this particular asset of our game onto the blockchain and begin allowing our players to use them with their in-game wallets. So that's kind of the, the overall view we have. Uh, we're working directly with game developers. We're also um, working to enable the wallets within the games. And then finally, the marketplace is where everyone can trade. But there's one caveat, is that to trade on our marketplace, you're going to have to spend Vunk. Vunk acts kind of like a spam protection, but also it enables us to, to receive something and we then abstract away all of the blockchain intricacies from the user. We, we, we pay the ether for them in exchange for them paying some Vunk. So I have a couple of questions. The first is, who are the game development companies that you've identified as key? And who are the ones who you're actually actively talking to at the moment? Well, I, w I wish I could disclose all of the people that we're currently talking with. Uh, there's some really, really exciting connections that we've made. Uh, we, foot, we've got our foot in the door in some, some pretty amazing and, and, and prestigious projects. Uh, unfortunately, I am not allowed to, to share some of those with you. However, I, I'll, I'll give you a sense of what the strategy is. So while we were working on this in stealth mode, there was a project that was released. Uh, and, and to be honest, we had our heads down so much on working on this that we didn't even hear about them until they began their crowd sale. And that is the project Spells of Genesis that's being developed by the company Everdream Soft. Now, when I heard of the crowd sale, I, I immediately contacted their CEO, whose name is Shaban Chame. And uh, we've become really good friends. But I contacted him immediately and says, okay, I'm, I'm going to participate in your crowd sale. But I have to tell you that I'm part of a startup that has been working on this concept for some time now. And we just really want to be collaborating with you. And uh, we formed an immediate relationship, Free, free My Vunk, uh, signed Spells of Genesis as their first, you know, corporate partner, um, where Spells of Genesis is is active in our in our community and participating with us. Um, they went on to have an incredibly successful crowd sale. They raised almost one thousand bitcoins uh, to develop their platform. And they, what's even more amazing, is that in the first two and a half months, they've raised more than $80,000 worth in, in card sales. So they haven't even published the game yet, and yet they're already selling these cards and people are buying them, believing that the game is going to be a success. And uh, it, it's just been an incredible project to be a part of. They're doing amazing work. Um, the one caveat I will put on there is that they've built on the counterparty protocol. But they are looking at ways to integrate uh, Ethereum smart contracts in their tournaments, for instance, and we're helping them do that. So when I saw Spells of Genesis and the, su the success there, um, we immediately clued into the fact that uh, collectible card games are a perfect launching point for this technology. People who play collectible card games, they absolutely get the idea of trading these assets. Let me just give you actually a little bit of background. So 
I come from the uh, traditional board gaming community. I've been playing board games for uh, almost 15 years now. And, and I don't mean Monopoly, for heaven's sakes. People, if, if anybody thinks that Monopoly is fun, uh, I'm sorry. But uh, the new games that have been coming out in the last decade or so have created a new renaissance in board gaming because they're, they're incredibly well-designed and they have neat ways of creating player interaction. I, I play board games a lot with my family. But one of the things that, that's come out uh, of this renaissance is that the, the games are being ported over to the digital side. It's a big trend in gaming. And uh, the, the digital versions, we've noticed some differences. So, for instance, with collectible card games, people will mostly associate this with uh, the biggest one in history is called Magic the Gathering. Well, they've ported these games over to their digital equivalents, but there's one major difference that in the digital, the game controls everything you can do with your cards. And so they actually, there was a study published last year by uh, Super Research, Super Data Research, and in 2015, they showed that nearly two-thirds of all collectible card game players play online and digital versions. However, three-quarters, 75% of all the investment, all of the people buying cards with money, they spend their money on physical paper cards. And that, th that just hit me like a brick. I said, what? You have most people playing online, but they spend all their money on a card that could be ruined by spilling a drink on it? by your dog taking a bite out of it, or by your kid grabbing it and causing a little tear? Because that's what actually happens. The value of the card is gone when you damage it. But the realization was people are spending money on the paper cards because they can walk down when they're done with the game, or they're tired of it, or they get a duplicate card. They can walk down to their comic book store or their local card trader, and they can... Trade that card for hard currency, real money. Whereas in the digital version, that card is trapped. You buy that card and there's nothing you can do with it when you leave the game. It stays in the game. And that was, that was my first realization. And the, the, what, I, what, I, what I call this is a black hole in the metaverse. It's where money goes in and can never come back out. And so we really believe that uh, these indie game developers, especially people who know and, and have played collectible card games or anything that's collectible, they understand this concept immediately. I was also having a conversation. Uh, I was at a recent board game convention and, uh, and huge, huge uh, interest, by the way, at these board game conventions. But, but I was talking with a, a creator of minis. So these people who create these uh, miniaturized game um, objects, you know, dwarves or uh, you know, odd-looking sort of uh, characters that, that can fight. Well, they're creating digital versions as well, but they want to be able to port that over to the digital realm, and they know that the collectible aspect is key in order to engage with their users and get them to invest. So we really believe that the games where there's an identifiable collectible aspect 
it's the, that's the place where, where we need to start because they immediately get the concept. But we're not going to limit ourselves. We're, we're going to go out to all the big names. Um, I mean, even, even a game like Halo has, has recently come up with uh, a special ability cards that they distribute to people. And we think that is perfect to use on our system. So we're going to go in all directions, but we definitely know that indie game developers are going to be the first to adopt. And to leap back about 10 minutes, the social media campaign that you're establishing by distributing Vunk, your local token, using hashtags, um, that's really innovative and a, a fantastic way to incentivize the creation of a community. Uh, is anyone else doing that? So the best example I can find uh, was with Let's Talk Bitcoin, the token. You know, Adam Levine is uh, he, he's an inspired visionary he's in how to use tokens with his company, Tokenly. And his concept of rewarding content creators with a community token was what inspired the idea for Vunk. Um, but we think that that we have to make it even easier for people to acquire because what we want is to have wide distribution of the token to enable people to use that in trades on our marketplace. So we thought, what's the easiest way we could give out our token? And, and honestly, it's social media. We, we believe that a lot of our users are going to be under the age of 18. Most likely, the average age might be even 12. And we want these 12-year-olds to have the ability to get on Twitter or get on Facebook or get on Instagram and spread the word to their friends, to their video game uh, forums, and they're also their video game clubs, and tell their friends about it and say, listen, we need to, to unify our voice so that game developers know that we want this. And for doing that, they're actually doing work for us. And so we're going to reward them for doing that work. They're helping spread the movement, so they're going to be owners in the movement. That's, a, that's totally ingenious. I totally, Adam is one of the people who really understood the power of tokenization right at the start. And it's funny that outside of his community, I haven't seen, I haven't seen the acclaim that I feel his ideas really deserve. But it's, it's interesting to see that they inspired you. Oh, absolutely. Um, but we're going to go a step farther beyond just rewarding the community for evangelizing. We, we want this to be a community where every single individual has a voice and has influence. So we're partnering up with a project, another Ethereum project called Colony. And we're going to have, we, we already do have our own Free My Bunk Colony where individuals, it's a decentralized governance platform. Everyone in the colony is equal, and they're able to make suggestions, and they're able to sign up for jobs and go out and actually make things happen for the movement without asking our permission. They can actually go out and do the work themselves and be rewarded through the colony for that work, where we will be dumping large amounts of Vunk into the colony, and the colony then distributes it to the people who are actually doing real work for the movement. This whole thing is such an awesome synthesis. Synth 
synthesization of uh, of these ideas that have been presented in the form of uh, DAOs or um, or DAPs. And so this is actually the DAP is actually a new medium for communication. I feel. Well, we've seen how uh, the you know distributed autonomous organizations might work for financial applications, but I think the much greater strength is in the community applications. And, and some people are working on this uh, for voting and for other for other things. But we think that that this it has the ability to crystallize this community to all believe in the same thing. One of the biggest things that Bitcoin did was it unified so many different people and biases and backgrounds. I was fascinated when I first saw that you would have in a chat room a mathematician, a, a cryptologist, a libertarian, some criminal that was trying to find some way to evade capture, um, <laughs> everything under the sun. And they were all participants in the same thing, Bitcoin. It was incredible. And I think that this has the same ability to extend outside of currency and do it for a lot of other types of applications as well. Now, when you say another type of applications or other types of applications, it reminds me of a talk I heard Charles Hoskinson give, uh, a TED talk. <laughs> it's just ghosting. It makes it really hard to talk. So he presented this idea of locked capital and gave the example of the inability of citizens of developing nations to represent their property in a formal legal system. Part of the beauty of the blockchain, as he presented it, was that they could use titles attached to the blockchain to record land ownership, etc. And he identified the total value of locked capital globally at over $10 trillion. And I feel like this is exactly what you've done here, is you've identified this locked capital as VUNC, and you've developed a system for unlocking that capital and allowing the owners of that capital to realize an economic value. I think that was perfectly said, actually, Arthur, that we believe that we're unlocking this this asset class, uh, it, it actually, I, I, I'm fond of saying that Vunk represents a new trillion-dollar global asset class that will be unleashed on the world and lift people who have no access to this right now to the point where they are virtual millionaires. But not virtual, like legit millionaires. What? They're millionaires in the virtual realm. How about that? It, <laughs> yes. But it can be monetized. Um, actually, this is probably a good point to a part to uh, to announce uh, a collaboration that Free My Vunk has brand new uh, that we're making with Digix. I know you just had Digix on uh, a little while ago. Um, they gave us a little shout out at the end of their their interview, but uh, I wanted to kind of elaborate on that now. We're going to be using Digix to uh, facilitate our token. Well, we're going to use a hybrid model of their token issuance, but we're also going to be using their secure Ethereum wallet, which is token enabled. And in exchange, 
they're going to have their gold and precious metal tokens uh, implemented onto our marketplace. So if you can imagine it, we are going to be the first platform where you can frictionlessly trade a virtual asset like some sword in a game for physical gold that could be used anywhere in the world. That is really like spine chillingly awesome. We're super excited about it. And, and, uh, we couldn't be happier to, to be partnering with, uh, with Digix. They are class act operation. Really? They are. In fact, it's funny. It's worth mentioning for the sake of the audience that I, uh, that we already did this interview before the Digix interview, but that for whatever reason we've had to re re-record because um, you would have been played before them. But it's uh, it's fortuitous that um, we can look at that retrospectively. Uh, how did this come about, by the way? So um, I- I'd been aware of Digix; uh, they'd been publicizing some of their work for you know for quite some time. Uh, we, I saw their presentation at the Ethereum uh, DevCon One conference, and immediately at the conference, I, I reached out to them and said, "You know what you showed is so close to what we are producing ourselves that there's no reason to to just duplicate the work. Let's work together." And we immediately saw the synergies between the two projects. You know, they are creating secure tokens for gold and other precious metals, we are trying to create secure tokens for video app, you know, virtual rea- virtual assets. And uh, there's no reason why they can't coexist in the exact same platform and, and, and environment. And, uh, you know, for them, we're, we're bringing lots and lots of users. There will be uh, lots of you know, as they referred to them at the conference, average Joes or mainstream people who are not involved in blockchain technology, that we are going to abstract away the blockchain for them, but they're going to be using Digix wallets in order to hold their Vunk. And then the, you know, the, the, the cherry on top is the fact that they don't have to trade these assets for something like Bitcoin. We're not forcing them to get involved with a cryptocurrency, they can actually monetize this directly to gold, uh, an asset that is recognized anywhere in the world for its value. Onboarding people has always been difficult, an unsolved problem. And it seems by giving this massive gaming community a, uh, a digital token with genuine value, uh, we could see something happen incredibly rapidly in the digital gold space. What you're doing here is possibly the most interesting thing as far as onboarding I've, I've ever, ever seen in the space. Well, so when you think about it, who would be the easiest people to accept such a technology? For us, it was immediate that video gamers, they are ready. They, they accept new technology all the time, new consoles, new concepts, new ways of doing things. And they already use digital wallets every single day. They have no problem using them and seeing value in them. I mean, the fact that virtual things have value is irrefutable. 
the black markets have proven that not only one can the games cannot stop people from transferring this value no matter what they do but number two that people recognize the need for such a market and they will go to great lengths in order to facilitate it through forums and PayPal. I mean, heck, they might even get their PayPal account locked or they might even get kicked out of the game for doing these trades and yet people still will pursue them. And can you imagine by just liberating this, making it frictionless, how quickly these markets are going to evolve? And then add on top of that the fact that it doesn't matter what currency you happen to use, you can trade something as stable and as globally accepted as gold. So when, when we go out and we talk with video game players, uh, I, I myself have played video games for quite some time, but uh, I have young children now, and I'm actually just starting to introduce my six-year-old son to uh, more kind of hardcore video games, and, and he's so excited about it. But when we talk to people about their Vunk, the amazing thing is the emotional attachment people have to it. They've worked, they've struggled in their game to obtain these, this property, these assets, these specialized things. And if, if you ever talk with someone who's been working on a game for, let me just give you an example. So when I was young, I played a game called Baseball Stars. It was the first sports Nintendo game that enabled you to save your game when you were done with a session. It had a little battery pack in the cartridge that would allow you to save the game. Now, I played the heck out of this game. I played at least you know several hundred hours, and I created the greatest baseball team ever that could be created within this game. My friend came over and played me, and he also had the game, but hadn't spent nearly the time playing it. And I destroyed him, just devastated him. And he turned to me at the end of the game, and he says, I'll give you $10 for your game, for your team, for your team. And I said, for my team? Ten bucks? So this was back when I had an allowance of like $2 a week. This was five weeks of allowance. And I was, I was like, oh, man, we're going to do this. <laughs> I'm trading this team. But we couldn't figure out how to do it. And what we ended up deciding on is I had to sell him my cartridge of the game, and he would give me his cartridge so that he could obtain this team. But I have to tell you that as soon as I sold it, I had seller's remorse because of all the time and effort I had devoted to this game. And it's no different for people who play games today. The emotional attachment you get to the to the to your Vunk is very strong. And that is what gives Vunk such a significant value is because you actually do real work in order to create it. And so you should derive real value when you sell it or when you trade it. And that's the one thing that, that video game developers cannot get away from. And so what we propose is that they should embrace this, that they should allow the free market to govern what they're creating. And the benefit, if they do so, is that we will be giving them real-time analytics on what is going on with the stuff in their game. Something that they they don't have a very good handle on now because they don't have a free market in which it can trade. But we can actually show them 
as their game is evolving, how the different aspects that they're implementing in the game, how they're being reacted to by the general public, because we can see how it relates to other games and how it's relating inside the game by the trades that are occurring. And I think this is a level of analytics that games just don't have right now, and it can make them so much better. How so? How, how does that improve a game? So many times when a game developer comes up with a concept, you know, so up until this point, you know, they, they've, they've used a couple knobs, essentially, to tweak their game. And they, they refer to these as uh, uh, faucets and sinks. So they'll create a faucet where they're distributing a certain item in the game, and then they'll tweak the rewards in order to create a sink for that item to be removed from the game. And they've been doing all of this internally just to keep an economy sort of balanced. But what if you could see not just how things are being used and related to inside the game, but you could also get a sense for how your game is being received relative to your competitors who are also implementing their own systems. So you could actually visualize using the the market information, how your game is gaining traction versus its competitors or how it's being, you know, it's becoming mature and starting to lose traction due to new competitors. And maybe that's a sign for a game developer to say, hey, I've got to start implementing some new technology or some new concepts or else I'm going to start seeing my game go into decline. It's funny you talk about the emotional attachment because I don't really play games especially multiplayer games. I've only ever played against the computer and enjoyed it, except for a little bit of Dota. And um, I remember we brought up in the first time we uh, the first time we recorded this interview about uh, our favorite items. And I replayed Baldur's Gate 2 recently, uh, both of them actually, because they were just they were just remastered. And I mean, just playing those characters and like reliving the story and this bloody flail, the flail of ages. You have to get the handle and the three heads. And I just could not find it because I wanted to, are you, do you remember Minsk, the character Minsk? It was hard because I could never put Minsk together the way I had him before with like the, um, the Ankeg armor and the flail of ages and and what have you he used to be awesome boots of speed and just he was the man just smashing dudes left right center that's not something i'll ever see again you know dude listen to you listen to the emotion in your voice this is exactly what i'm talking about every gamer experiences these emotions as they've worked so hard to you know create the character or create the experience in the game that they've wanted. Uh, it, it's just a unifying aspect. Yeah. Wow. Actually, I just see that I did get a bit excited there. <laughs> um, also, Arthur, there was there was one other thing that I forgot to mention that's actually going to blow your mind. Yeah, let's hear it. So uh, Richard and I have been talking quite a lot. Richard is my co-founder with Free My Vunk, and um, we have a way that we're going to enable video game asset or Vunk rentals. Well, man. So just picture it. You are 
you're in your game and you have been killed repeatedly. I mean, again and again and again. And you're just desperate to overcome some enemy. And you say, you know what? I'm going to go rent a sword that's going to take this guy down. (laughs) And you open up your digital wallet and in the marketplace, you can see where there are certain objects that can be rented for a certain period of time. You just, it's like a a pay. It can can be various different models, but maybe like a pay to own sort of thing, or just, I want to try it out. Give, I want to rent this thing for two days and see if I like it before I buy it. And you click on it, and it immediately comes into your digital wallet. Um, the way we actually do it is that it goes into an escrow address account uh, where that address is then added to your digital wallet. And if you don't make the payment, the next payment, then uh, the escrow sends the object back to the owner's account, and the address is then null and void. But that people could actually go out and try a virtual object and see how it works, see how it feels, you know, try the shirt on before you buy it. And that's something that's really missing in games. And it's a tool that game developers can really use in order to inspire people to invest more into the object because they'll know exactly what they're getting. And we think game rental, game object rental is a phenomenal new concept that can be, you know, it can be restricted as much as the game developer wants, but it can be used to increase the player interaction and the player involvement to the point where they'll know what they're getting before they buy it. So there won't be any people that are sad about, you know, what they get because they already know. That is really crazy, man. I mean, because I always, you get to those bits where you either give up or you find a cheat or a hack online or a workaround, but it would be so nice to just be able to rent that plus one long sword with 2D6 fire damage. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and the game developer doesn't want you to give up. He doesn't want you to leave because you can't beat this certain part. He would much rather you obtain something temporarily that could allow you to get over the, whatever obstacle you're, you're in. And, you know, the first thing that comes to mind, though, is, is people are like, oh, no, this is a pay-to-win model. And, and everyone hates pay-to-win. Nobody likes pay-to-win. So this is actually, you know, this is incumbent upon the game developer so that when they create the structure, they don't allow pay-to-win to become the problem. That's their job, is to balance things so that you can't pay to win. But they would much rather you be able to rent something and overcome whatever obstacle you're, you're confronted with rather than sit there and, and get discouraged and quit. That's the worst thing that can happen. Absolutely. That, was, that sucks. And it's happened. I mean, I'm sure it's happened to everyone. You just get to that bit and it's like, this isn't fun anymore. Um, but cool. Uh, so, where can people find out more about Free My Vunk and um, participate in the colony and the social media campaign that you guys have going on? Yeah, so it's pretty easy. Just uh, go to freemyvunk.com. Uh, we're also Free My Vunk on Twitter and Free My Vunk on Facebook. Uh, the nice thing about having a made up word is that no one has it before you. 
<laughs> and um, we we really want to reach out to the community and say, please come join us. We we want you to be a part of this. We want you to participate. We're looking for programmers and developers of both front end and back end. Um, we're looking for anyone who's been involved in the video game development industry. But we're also looking for other people like artists, musicians, community organizers, anyone who feels like this is an awesome idea and I have to be a part of it. Come join us. We'll get you added to the, to the Slack. We'll get you added to the community. We'll get you an invite to the colony. And then it will be based on your efforts and your willingness to do work on behalf of the movement. And we will reward you with Vunk. Not only will we reward, reward you with Vunk, but you'll also have uh, the ability to gain you know, some influence and some credibility. You know, we're going to allow people to achieve Vunk ranks. You, know, this, you can think about it as uh, soldier ranks in the Revunkolution. You'll start off as like a sympathizer and then to a supporter, but then you'll make it into a soldier and finally a general. And, uh, you know, you'll make it to where when people see your account on the marketplace, they'll know that they're dealing with someone who's invested in the community and that they should be able to trust. But not that they'll need to trust you because we'll have uh, trustless escrow contracts in order to do trade. But this, is, this gives the people an, an ability to be part of the movement, not just spectators. They can join us in doing real things to push the movement forward and to get these game development companies to start offering this service so that everyone in the world can benefit. Thanks again, Tyler. Richard Toth, a member of the Let's Talk Bitcoin Network community, has been invaluable in helping with editing this and the last episode as has an old friend and audio engineer, Kerry Guy. Show notes, credits and links can be found at letstalkbitcoin.com and on Twitter, at EtherReview. We can also be reached at contact at etherreview.info.